0: Hey, it's Arlen. Welcome back to your first million. Can you believe I have been doing this for this podcast since summer of 2019, which feels like a minute ago and feels like a lifetime ago. But uh, I have enjoyed every minute of it. It has been wonderful. And when I woke up today, it's Saturday, um, October 28th, 2023. When I woke up today two days before my 43rd birthday, I believe. <clears throat> um, and I had all these thoughts in my mind, all the things that have happened this week in the world and in my life. And I thought, oh, I want to I wanna tweet about it, but I don't tweet anymore. I haven't been on Twitter in months, except for one time a couple weeks ago. Um, because of Elon, yes. And I wanted to talk about it, but you can't really do that. Everything, all the topics I wanted to talk about um, online anymore. And, uh, I thought, well, you know, what's cool. I I have a podcast and have a podcast that I own 100% of so I can post and say whatever I want for as long as I want. And it's up to you all to decide if you want to listen to it. So that's just a super helpful. Um, it's therapeutic and hopefully, hopefully these help people. I, I get the feedback that they do, that they do, you know, a few thousand people listen to each episode, and uh, uh, it, it, you know, different episodes are going to be more helpful to other people. So, to different people. So, this is what I'm going to do today. Today, you might hear my voice. I'm, I just woke up recently, so my voice is a little scratchy. So, hopefully, it'll it'll last. But I wanted to just talk about a few topics and make this kind of like a mixed bag, um, but make definitely value. In in each one, so the first topic I want to talk about. Well, I just will give a quick um, recap of of my week, just briefly, um, because it was very cool. Um, So last week I went to Lesbians Who Tech. I spoke there. I interviewed uh, Lasia, who is the first non-binary person in the uh, out non-binary person in the WNBA. So check them out. Was that was amazing? That was really cool. Got to um, hang with Lasia, who I know I'm going to be spending a lot more time with. Shout out, and uh, and then and, and they're going to teach me how to play basketball. Hopefully, <laughs> so I'll be a superstar before you know it. And got to see um, meet in person for the first time. Actually, Alicia uh, Haley, Kate uh, Menig. And um, Jennifer, Jennifer Beals and Eileen Shaken And I had met them all on Zoom a couple of years ago when I interviewed them for Lesbians Who Tech when we were virtual. And I had also spoken to them online, but never met them in person. I got to meet them and talk to them. And that was really lovely. Uh, Tuesday of this week, I was invited to a very intimate salon about black wealth um. Uh. B. Pangles Minor. I think I'm saying that correctly. Hopefully, I am. Um. Inter. Uh. Invited me along with uh, just a few others to speak with Gabrielle Union, and the th- the thought that's coming out of that conversation was a wonderful interview. By the way, B. You are an amazing interviewer. I I hope you know that. I'm sure you do. But you're really really good. You you could you could do that for a living. Um. And incredible shoe game <laughs> incredible shoe game, uh but the thoughts that came out of are coming out of that I think are going to be widespread i think are going i think the the vision that B has is to make something so intimate and something so exclusive uh with Gabrielle Union and others more readily available, like the things that come out of it, which I think is really cool. So stay tuned for that. And then just the uh, the last couple of days, I was in Napa Valley. And I spoke at the information.com's women's event, which was very, very cool. And it had about a little less than 300 people there. It was, um, it was a definitely um, just chock full of incredible people who were speaking. I felt very fortunate to be in that lineup. And my mom was there with her eyewear. So if you go to Instagram, look at my Instagram, you can see some posts from that. And you may notice uh, uh, a humble young lady that I think it has a bright future ahead of her named Katy Perry. And Katy Perry stopped by the by the table. She's, I guess she watched she was there because she was speaking and she was a headlining speaker. And I spoke a couple of hours before her and I didn't realize that she was there. I was told she was there, but then I couldn't see her in the audience. So I thought she wasn't there. And then apparently she was. So she walked up to the table as she walked towards me. She said, I, she said, and you, if you know how Katie talks, you can probably imagine this. Um, she had, you know, these, Dramatic pauses for emphasis. You know, she, she, she's walking like she's walking on a runway and she's walking towards me and she's saying, I loved your authenticity. I loved your uh, uh, confidence. And, you know, she's listing off these things. And this is how we're being introduced to each other. It's her walking over to me. And um, she was great. She she hung out at the table. She tried on glasses. She picked up a pair of my mom's glasses that we're now calling the Katie, the black large frames that you can see in the video and the pictures. Um, and she was just great. And then she had a great conversation with the information. So that was just a, a really fun event. And we had six of our portfolio companies from Backstage Capital represented in the gift bags. Um, Some in the VIP gift bags, some in the the general gift bags, but all of it was VIP. This thing was a very posh event. And so I just want to just say I'm so proud of Minky Blue. I'm so proud of of Couplet Coffee and Community.com and Partake Foods. Um, And and the list goes on and on. And I'm just so proud of them, uh, seeing them in. Uh, being represented. And that was really fun to be able to help curate that list. If you have an event coming up and you would like for me to curate a list from our portfolio, please reach out to me, arlen at backstagecapital.com. It was a hit. you know, It really went over well. I could see different people wearing different things and people uh, sending things back home and taking them on their flights and, and posting about them. It was really cool. So uh, if you'd like for us to do that with your event gift bag, just let, let me know. Arlen at backstagecapital.com. So that was wonderful. There's a, I mean, I could do an entire episode about that alone, of course, but I just um, want to try it like a, a, a model here where I do like a, a list because I want you to kind of skip through and see what you want to hear about. So the next thing I'll talk about is. Um, <clears throat> this idea, so I've been talking to different people, even at the event this week, I um, kind of consulted a couple of people on the fly and just talking through this idea of, um, this will be a topic that I do on Spark, by the way, coming up probably this Tuesday or next Tuesday, I'll do it. So it'll be more in depth if you want to know more about it. But it's um, the idea of choosing your customer as an agency or as someone who does consulting or someone who does something like, uh, content marketing for people, something along those lines where you're working with different clients and even SaaS. I mean, this can apply to anything almost, right? The idea of, do you go enterprise or do you go direct to consumer? And what I mean by that is, um, like when they say B2B or B2C, you know, is it business to business? Are you talking about other companies? And when I say this specifically, I'm talking about enterprise. Enterprise would be the bigger companies, the Fortune 500s or the Fortune 1000s or the Fortune 5000s, you know, the ones that are making $10 million or more a year in revenue up to billions and billions and billions of dollars in revenue. Or do you market to and sell to the individual customer? for the person who is picking up the bag or picking up the, uh, the, the, the SAS product that they use that costs $29. Or do you go to, you know, where do you, where do you go with your, with your, um, sales? And this is going to be different for everybody. Everybody's going to have a good reason to do something. Some of you who are selling thousands of items per month, to the individual who pays $30, you're you're, you're going to be fine, right? Like you're doing your thing. Um, but I think this will help some people. So because this has come up so often, this question, and sometimes the question is not fully formed because they don't know the question. But sometimes it's like in their problem or in the issue, the challenge they have. And I find that this is the answer. So here's what I want to say to you that I've said, to my inner circle members who pay 25000 to $36,000 a year to work with me, to uh, people who have come up, to, walked up to me even as recently as this week and asked me about like just their challenge and see if this resonates with you. Okay, so let's say you are someone who, um, and again, you can tweak this a little bit for your needs, but let's say you're someone who's worked in corporate for 10 years, 20 years, 10, 20 years, five years, whatever. And you've done quite well in corporate, but you have found that you want something different. Even if it's temporary, you want something or more. Maybe it's not completely pivoting, but it's adding something to what you do. And so you decided you're going to start a company. And your company that you've decided is it's going to be a consulting company. It's going to be some sort of addition to small businesses or to entrepreneurs or to other companies. And you are going to give your services to them, or some sort of package of products, like you know, um, uh, documents or things like that. And your big, your the big picture of it is, and the big draw of it is, you want to work with entrepreneurs who look and and have look like you and come from the same places you come from, and. Maybe they don't look like you, but they you can resonate with them in some way, whether they're women or they're people of color or they're any, any type of entrepreneur, but they're like just starting out. And so you have that kinship with them, right? You want to work with people who don't have a ton to work with. And that's a big driving factor for you. It's something that is driving your North Star or toward your North Star. And you're you, so you decide to do that, and you're going to have this product. It's going to be HR, or it's going to be marketing, or it's going to be sales, uh, help, or it's going to be you know, uh, copy design, all these things. And you decide you're going to do that, and then you get into it, and six months in, or a year in, you're very, very torn because you realized. Ah, these these founders who are just getting started, no matter who they are, for the most part, don't have a lot of money to spend. And so the people I want to help the most and work with the most and help build huge companies with the most are not able to afford my services. Or they start, they think they can, and then they don't manage money very well just because they're a new uh, entrepreneur. And and then it kind of crumbles and, and we're left with Um, somebody churning out three months in, leaving. And you're just torn because you're like, oh, I I don't want to go back to the corporate thing, or I do, I'm still at corporate, but I don't want to, I wanted this to subsidize it so I could one day kind of leave it, right? And go out and and be, and do this full time. Let me talk to you for a second. If this resonates with you, let me talk to you for a moment. If it doesn't resonate with you, go ahead and skip ahead a little bit and I'll go to the next topic. What I want to say to you is, I'm going to, this is a general statement, so it will not apply to everyone, but by and large, what I have seen speaking with and working with thousands, literally, of entrepreneurs and companies over the last decade is that is a really great thing to want to do. And I think you should still have that as your North Star. But the way that you can accomplish it is that you work with larger companies who can afford you. So I know I know. for some of you, you're like, oh, but I don't. That's the whole point. I want to get away from these larger companies. I don't want to make rich people richer. I don't want to just go and walk into places where I have to explain why DEI is important. That's, that is true. But think of it, reframe it a little bit, just for this exercise of of brainstorming. Reframe it for a moment and think about where has the most capital come from in your experience? Or where do you think it would come from? Is it going to come from a company that is bootstrapping or has just raised $200,000 and has to have figure out exactly where it's putting all of its dollars over the next 18 months? Somehow that's supposed to cover that. And they're, pre, they're pre-profit, maybe even pre-revenue, and... You are you have a service that probably should cost a hundred thousand plus a year, but you're giving it for the great price of three thousand a month, or two thousand a month, or six thousand a month. It's still going to be too much for those companies because they have to weigh, uh, they have to weigh what's most important. Now we do we know that if they were to go with you, you could more than likely help them get to a point where they could afford you. But you see how that's a little bit counterintuitive. What I think is, and what I've seen happen after advising this ha- work with people, and I've done this myself, which is most important, is that you go. You think of it as the Robin Hood method. It's the Robin Hood method. So you spend. You think about what really brings in the dollars for you, and if that is the twenty or fifty thousand dollar, or twenty thousand, or $10,000 gig with the big company who can afford you, or even more sometimes. If that's the gig with them, do more of that. Do that at an amount that you can handle, that you can stomach, that you feel like you're you know, fulfilled. And then, let's say that's 80% of your time. You stack those chips for yourself, but you've also, what you've done just then... Is you've created a space where for the other twenty percent or the other fifty percent of your time, you can work with whoever you want. Maybe it's with whomever you want. You can work with whomever you want because you've you've instead of spreading yourself so thin and and the people aren't paying you and you're not you're you're making seventy thousand a year when you need to make. 300,000 a year to survive, but you're making 70,000 with like 12 customers who can barely afford you because they're all people you want to serve. Go over here to the side, work for six major companies. I'm throwing numbers around. Six major companies, multiply that by 50,000 so that you can then go back to those 12 companies and not necessarily work with them one-on-one, but maybe you have a group session every two weeks with them, you know, for an hour and together you're helping them and you're helping um, and, and you're getting fulfilled. Or maybe you ha- you choose one or two of those customers and say, I'm going to put you on a sliding scale because I'm over here supplementing this for you. And so where it normally costs $6,000 a month, it's going to cost you 1200 because I want some skin in the game so that you are participating. Throwing numbers around, but I'm just saying you do that with your numbers plugged in and things change drastically almost immediately. Because you've now set yourself up for success. It makes sense to you. It is the dollars and the cents make sense, right? And then you also have this freedom because you've opened up. Oh, okay. Now I have this time. I have some time back, right? And if you say, well, I don't have time because I have all these big um, clients and they're taking up all my time. Don't do this full time. This is why you have your own company, don't do it full-time. Don't do it to the max. Do it to a point. But if you think about the numbers, the unit economics of this, you can do, if if eight clients a year at this level is your limit, don't do eight. Do six. Do five. Do four at that large amount and then take the remaining 10%, 20%, 50% of your time and do whatever you want. Uh, call it a free It's free for the the certain entrepreneurs you want it to be, or it's a sliding scale, or it's a group work, or we're going to go on a retreat together and I'm going to present to you the same thing I'm I'm charging $50,000 to. I'm going to just, I'm going to present to you. All you have to do is get yourself to this retreat that we're doing. Those types of things really, really, really work and they make your life easier and they make sense. So I think you can think of that. I'm doing that myself going all in there because it's just the smarter thing to do. We're going to all find ourselves uh, just so spread thin. So think about that. I'm going to talk about that more in Spark. And Spark, if you're not familiar, I'm sure you are. But if you're not, it's a program that I started this summer. Um, it is really, really, really valuable and um, you can get Spark for free. So it normally costs 10000 a year or 1000 per month. You can get it for free when you purchase a ticket to yourfirstmillion.live. Go to yourfirstmillion.live, purchase any ticket including payment plan tickets and I will send you an email that gives you access to spark which is a series of videos that talk about this topics like i just gave you and much much more and puts it in order so that you can have a step-by-step guide of how you can make your first million so um definitely something to check out for instance um last tuesday I i did an article i did a video about focusing on one thing for a year and I, that was Tuesday that I posted that by Wednesday, I had all sorts of response about it, how it completely reframed things for people. So um, people in Spark. So there are a few hundred people in Spark. And Spark is uh, just to be even more specific. What I do is almost every Tuesday, I record live a webinar. To my inner circle group my inner circle is a small group of people who pay twenty five thousand to thirty six thousand dollars a year to work with me one on one and as a group themselves and I present this um, as part of it as there are many pieces to it, but as part of it, I present this webinar almost every Tuesday and the webinar is like just very very concise and just packed with information. That is like straight up things that I myself would be, you know, charging people thousands and thousands for. Then I take that video of that replay and I put it into the Spark Vault on Teachable, uh, usually the same day now. And so you have when you sign up now, you have, I don't know, eight to 10 videos already, which are 40 to 60 minute long just really effective and and I I just kind of pull the curtain back and give you all the numbers and all of my information. Um and it's step by step so you watch it in order and I'm telling you it's it's like transformative and I'm not saying that lightly. So that's what Spark is and that's why it costs ten thousand dollars a year because the where they're getting it from is the twenty five to thirty six thousand dollar program. But you get that Spark ten thousand dollars uh Spark program free if you purchase a ticket. So if you've already purchased your ticket um, to yourfirstmillion.live, that's the website, if you've already purchased it, many of you already are in Spark. So please, please, please go to Spark every weekend. That's what I do is every weekend kind of go and check it out and make sure I don't miss a video. Um, Whatever day works for you, though. If you're if you've already purchased and you don't have Spark or you don't know if you have Spark, just send me an email, Arlen at backstagecapital.com, just send me an email and I'll send you the the way to access it. Um, but most of you would already be in it. So then if you're a new person coming t- into your first million dot live, you haven't purchased yet, and you purchase it, no matter what the tier is, no matter if you do a upfront payment or a payment plan you will, within 24 or 48 hours, get an email that has the Spark information. So because of what I want, the reason I'm doing that, by the way, is I want everyone to show up to the event in April, Your First Million Live in April with the same information coming from the same place. I want you to have the same resources and tools. So Spark and then all the other stuff that's going to happen on the way, on the road to. Speaking of on the road to Your First Million, this is a great transition. I'm very proud of myself. Um, I am so excited. We're gonna. I'm going to give you like a, a, a preview of something that I'm going to announce on Monday, October 30th, which is my birthday. We're gonna announce this. Um, just it's very cool, and and I, I I can't wait to see what comes from it. What we're do- you can probably uh, hear me smiling because I'm so excited about this. So what we're doing is I have partnered with someone who is a white man who I found online. He he found me actually, but I I started looking through his videos and I was so uh, impressed by them. What he what he does is he goes to different HBCUs and he. Um, meets with people and, and talks about the culture there. And he also has a video series where he teaches mostly other white people, basically. That's he it sounds like he's talking to. He's saying, if you're, if you're racist, you're going to have to give up. And he starts telling you all the things you have to give up because black people invented so many things. So he goes by one by one and tells you what A black person invented. And it's just staggering. I didn't know half of it. I didn't know 90% of it, to be honest with you. And then he goes on to say that most of those inventors went to an HBCU in a lot of cases. And so when I saw that, I said, you know what? I want to incorporate that somehow because he's going to be at these schools already on his own dime. I want to work with him and partner with him to bring that, like, highlight those students uh, on our road to Your First Million. So I am now sponsoring his travels to the HBCUs through Your First Million Live. And it's called The Road to Your First Million Live HBCU Edition, where he will be interviewing and highlighting different current, you know, like it's history in the making, right? Current inventors and entrepreneurs at different HBCUs from now all the way through April, he he and his wife are on the road. And they will be interviewing them, and then we'll post it to different webs, to different um, um, profiles. So you'll see it on mine. Arlen was here on Instagram. You'll see it on my LinkedIn. You'll see it on the yourfirstmillion.live dot live uh, uh, Instagram account and the website. Most likely, we'll have a page eventually. And we're gonna get clips, and then we're also going to just kind of take this footage and um, most likely partner with someone to do something even bigger with it because it's all 100 active HBCUs in the country is what we're doing this with over the next year. So it's incredibly, incredibly exciting. And um, I'm going to be announcing it on Monday. You might hear this after the announcement, but if you listen to this over the weekend, you're hearing it early. That is going to be very cool. So YourFirstMillion.live is supporting that, is sponsoring that road trip. And we're going to uncover so many amazing HBCU students on that trip. And of course, we have all sorts of things planned. So stay tuned, tune in, and um, you're going to get to meet some new people that you didn't know about before, which is very cool. If you go to an HBCU or or if you have a student uh, in your family at an HBCU, you can send me an email, arlen at com. Let me know what school, what location, um, and, and just kind of flag it for us. And, you know, we're going to all of them. So, you know, and I'll pop up at some of them. I, I won't be at all 100, but I'll pop up at some of them along the way. So more information coming soon. Keep up with us. And, um, yeah. I'm very excited about that. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, and this is going to be a tough transition, of course. There's no other way, I don't think, um, for now, for for today, is uh, a couple episodes ago I did talk about um, what is happening in Gaza, what is happening in Israel, what is happening um, in that part of the world to our fellow humans. And it was a while back it 's probably two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago that I did it when it first happened um, when the first, when October seventh first happened in Israel. And it was, I was uh, navigating that and helping other people navigate it, hopefully. And I got great feedback from that. So I'm, I'm glad that it was helpful. And I got some not great feedback. I got some feedback that, you know, I, I kind of predicted in the episode, which was like, I wasn't doing enough. I'm ignorant. I'm this, I'm that, and I'm hateful of all the things, you know, and I, I expected that. But I haven't um, done another episode about it. And, um, but I have been posting on Instagram. I have been posting on uh, a a bit on Instagram, not a ton. And I I wanted to just talk about that a little bit because right now, um, this is being recorded hours after the Wi Fi went out in Gaza and the electricity went out. And there's been a night of bombings with that happening. And so, you know, at the same time, this is happening uh, hours after just being recorded after hours after the gunman who killed 16 plus people in Maine uh, was found uh, mortally wounded uh, by what we think was by suicide. Um, and so it it's, it's a uh, fraught time. And I've just been going through I listened to so much information about what's happening with Gaza and Israel and Hamas and Palestine. Um, and I read so much and it's, I wish I could say that I had a better answer today than I did two and a half weeks ago, but I don't. And I think that in itself is something to talk about just briefly. um, I have no question, there's no question in my mind, I'm just thinking out loud here, there's nothing prepared, but there's no question in my mind that what is happening in Gaza, there's no excuse for, and that people are finding excuses for it. There's a, a but thing to it. Um, because it sounds to me like some, a lot of people believe that one or the other thing has to be, exist on its own that the one or the other thing has to be true like that if Gaza if there's a genocide happening in Gaza then there can't be empathy for people in Israel or if there's empathy for people in Israel um then there can't be empathy for those in Palestine um that is just not true it's it's just not It's just not, you know, I try to be intellectually honest. And I know that that's not the most uh, caring way to look at it. But to me, that's where I go first, because it's helpful to me. It's soothing. It's like, what's intellectually honest? Well, what's intellectually honest to me is that there is something really sordid and evil happening right now in Gaza. Where you're turning the lights out on two million people, you're, you're taking them away for their access to Wi-Fi, so they can no longer talk to journalists in other countries, and they can no longer communicate with each other. And it was already such a, t- a perilous, terrible situation, and like w- people are are dying, and thousands of people are dying in indiscriminate bombs, and all of this is happening because it's retaliation, and it's also sort of like. We have to get rid of the evil that hit us. So Israel was hit on October 7th with an evil from Hamas. And their right is to retaliate and to go get the hostages that they have. And and that is true, too. So the intellectually honest thing is that is true, too. However, and this is where everyone is going to get mad at me, who is my friend, who hates when people say, however, I'm going to say however, Um, it, it, it's it's true that what's happening right now is not right. We can't, we can't do this. We can't be okay with turning the lights out. Let's like, imagine it's you and you're like, I'm in Hollywood right now. I'm looking out of the city. You have a beautiful view and all of a sudden bombs are just being thrown. You can see them out your window. You can hear them more more frighteningly. And then all of a sudden your lights go out. And then your Wi-Fi goes out. So I can't even post this audio if I'm scared and I need help. And I don't have enough food because, you know, things stopped working three weeks ago. My family has all gotten together with me. I I listened to this harrowing interview where a woman described that most families in Gaza are used to gathering together as a family when there are bombs, because they if they get hit, they all want to die together. Think about that. That's incredible. Same thing happening with Israel when Israel woke up uh, on October 7th to people uh, storming their homes, uh, forcing them into uh, isolation, forcing them to be separated from their families, babies being murdered people being murdered, elderly people being taken hostage and, and and, and you know, just, it's, it is, there is no doubt that all of this is wrong. Every bit of this is wrong. Another thought I had when I'm being intellectually honest with myself is when 9-11 happened in, in the U.S. and, um, We lost so many people in that horrific terrorist attack. We then, the U.S. then, and it wasn't the average citizens, just like it's not the average citizens in Gaza, right? Uh, Or Israel, thank you. Um, The the U.S. government decided to go and, and get retaliation. And what a lot of people are not saying in these long messages on Instagram is that the United States has admitted to, and it's just documented, they don't even have to admit to it, but we, like the United States, killed more than 400,000 innocent people in the Middle East since 9 11 in an attempt to snuff out terrorists. 400,000 plus. I can't even tell you the exact number, and that's in itself. Insulting that I won't say the exact number because I d- wouldn't commit it to memory. So I I don't know. I, I'm, I don't I don't know where what moral high ground we get to stand on. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know where we get to stand on. Obviously, I don't know what moral ha- high ground we get to stand on with what's happening in the United States. But. Um, if. If uh, if a few right wing people from the United States from the U.S.A. North uh, U.S.A. went over to Canada and killed thousand people, fifteen hundred people, and, and did terrible things and kidnapped two hundred plus that were right wing people who were like who we consider white nationalists did that, which could happen because they did January sixth, so they could do anything. If they did that, that would be wrong. There would be nothing, there's no but. They did that, that was wrong. And then if Canada said, our retaliation is going to be, we're going to cut off somehow all the electricity to the United States or to, let's just say it's to um, to New York. We're going to cut off all the electricity, electricity to New York City and we're going to bomb New York City that wouldn't be right. And people in New York and the United States who were crying and heartbroken and scared for their lives and just their whole lives have changed, being upset about that wouldn't be wrong. And people in Canada being upset about the people who had just been killed and kidnapped, they wouldn't be wrong. And the right... Ring wing, I can't say it together. But the right wing people who did the thing, the terror, the the domestic terrorists who did the thing, would not represent all of U- the United States and all of New York. And the people in Canada who decided, to, who are the government who decided to bomb the hell out of uh, New York in this scenario, wouldn't represent all of the Canadians that existed. So there's sh- therefore there should not be some you know, anti, I'm trying, I know I'm getting a little confusing here, but what I'm saying is that there is no excuse for any of this bullshit. There's no excuse for people to say, well, I am allowed to make fun of children who have died in Israel. I'm allowed to tear down their posters. I'm allowed to chant anti-Semitism because they're bombing Gaza. No, you're not. And it's not, you can't also say, I'm allowed to um, not, you know, to, to not want the Palestinians to be able to to, and others who agree with them, to be, they shouldn't be able to protest, and they shouldn't be able to mourn, and they shouldn't be able to, that's not true either. So, <laughs> so, I go back to, I don't have a better answer than I did before. And I'm, I am sorry for myself that I don't have that. I'm not, Like sorry in general, because I don't know who is supposed to have the answer. I know that um, there needs to be a ceasefire. That to me makes all the sense in the world. Again, if we're going back to intellectually honest, there needs to be a ceasefire because how in the world is bombing the hell out of Gaza going to help anybody? How does that help anybody? You get rid of Hamas, maybe, but you still have Hezbollah. You still have all these other people who are able to do things, and you've also massacred thousands of tens of thousands of people in the process, including your own hostages, makes no sense to me, and come at me, if, if I, if, if you come at me about that, please have listened to the whole thing before you come at me, and then on the side of, um, of people just blanketly saying that people in Israel are like Nazis, like, where, who, where's your head, I know so much of it is, uh, is in the, the, the bowels of this, right? Like this has been going on for, for a long time and we were going merrily along our way. And now we're just sort of becoming these, um, these professors and experts in the last three weeks, but it's been happening for a long time. And, um, I think we need to really really study and understand it and and I don't mean in order to be able to say that bad things are happening we need to do that or to be sad for people. I think before we are attacking each other, which is what I said in my last message, before we attack each other, how much information do we have? What are you yelling? What are you saying when you yell? If you're yelling, do you have the information? So there's a lot of people yelling who don't have the information, and that's not helping either. And so, like, I just I don't know what to do because I have friends online that I'm watching who say that, like, they they say yes, it's yes, um, it's terrible what's happening in Gaza, but you're anti-Semitic if you even say that, and you know, like, I I really see people who I I, I care about and I believe in and I think are intelligent, saying things of that nature. And i like, that can't, that's not, that's so black and white. That is just not what it is. And I see people, other friends who are saying, you are a, you're completely in the wrong if you don't fly a Palestinian flag on your, um, on your, on your posts, every post, and just admonish and denounce every Israelian that ever existed because they're pure evil. That is not true either. So I don't I don't know I don't know the answer and I don't know what to do, but I I, I know by putting this out into the world, which I don't have to do, I know that I'm um, inviting criticism. That's okay. If people can handle which are handling or not, if people can handle going through this war or this battle, I can handle talking about it and being uncomfortable about it. That's just the simple truth. I just think that for anybody to say, this is my kind of, I'm going to wrap it up with this point, like with, for anybody to say that they are absolutely right, whether they are um, um, Palestinian or from the Middle East, um, part of, like, Israeli, Jewish, um, no matter, like, if they're black, if they're Hispanic, if they're Asian, if, if they're saying that they're 100% right in their opinion, that, then that is just not humanly possible. It just doesn't make any sense. And I, I, it's perplexing. There's just no way that you're 100% right. There's no way that I'm 100% right on anything let alone something this important. What I hope happens, which could still happen, is a ceasefire, because there's no way to win here. There's no winning here. A ceasefire, and then I hope that if there is a ceasefire that Israel uh, initiates, I hope that then there is not re- uh, this lull and then retaliation from uh, in anyone else, including uh, Iran, or um, any Palestinian uh, faction, or any of, you know, I don't know enough to to speak to it perfectly, but that's what I hope happens. It's the only way, to, it's the only way that we stop the bleeding. And I have to say this, <laughs> I know I was going to wrap it up, but I also have to say this, when we watched the world react to COVID, and especially the US, in my opinion, react to COVID in lots of places, Germany and lots of other European places too, that had all this privilege of having um, vaccines and then not using them because of whatever. Uh, I knew then that we were kind of, we were lost. I knew then that was 16 people could get shot at a bowling alley and nobody would, would blink an eye because... You had the ability, we had the ability to save millions of lives and we didn't. So to me that, I mean, that's very cynical, but that's just like a truth. Also, I wanted to point out, somebody wrote to me, uh, very upset with me, um, um, saying like good things about Gaza and Palestinians. And they were like, you know how terrible they are to LGBTQ people. And then someone was upset with me for talking about fondly of Israeli people, because they said, do you know how people, they treat black people there? And there's like a video of a Israeli person calling someone a nigger and yelling at her a nigger lover. And cause she married a black person. um, I'll say it one more time. The United States has killed more than 400, and our allies, and our allies have killed more than 400,000 people in the Middle East since 9 11. Um, there are genocides in Africa that have been raging, raging for decades that don't get a penny of time on our news. Uh, the U.S has allowed right now there are multiple people thousands of people black people sitting in cells that for crimes they did not commit or for crimes that did not that were uh th- this is punitive um right now i can walk down the street and probably have at least one white person yell something at me from a car that's derogatory if we're going to say we can only care about people dying, if their governments and their culture do not, um, are are like friendly to LGBTQ people or are friendly to black people, then we cannot like anybody. We cannot care about anybody because it just doesn't exist. Again, intellectually honest, it doesn't exist. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and um, be upset that people are dying. I'm going to go ahead and be upset that people were kidnapped and people were raped and people were tortured and people are still, um, and I'm going to be upset about that while being upset about what's happening in in the United States while being my mourn while mourning the 16 plus people who perished, uh, this week in that, and that, um, murder that maybe some of you don't even know what I'm talking about because it happens so often, while also worrying about what's happening in parts of Africa, while also worrying about what's happening in parts of Brazil, which, while also worrying about what's happening in my head and in my home and in my family, you know, all the things. So if you would like to yell at me, like many of you have been doing, not you, you when you are to this, I don't think you're yelling at me, but some of you are, some of you have. Um, Whether you're a stranger or a friend and you find that anything I have to say is inflammatory or not cool or ignorant and and all of it. I think all of that is 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 legitimate because I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Um, I know what I'm saying. It comes from a place of deep thought, but I don't know what's right to say in this moment. And so if you feel a certain way about what I've said, and if you have listened, I welcome you to write to me, arlen at backstagecapital.com. If you have only skipped around and listened to sound bites, and you want to yell at me, I don't have time for that. I really don't, and none of us do. So take that opinion and do something else with it. But if you've listened to everything I've said and what I've posted and you still have a problem with it, please tell me. I would love to talk to you because we're human. And we have to take care of each other. No one else is going to, like, there's no other way. There's no other way. Um, This has turned into an episode that I was not expecting. (laughs) But I did have this on my list, and I did want to talk about it. And I woke up today with a lot on my heart, and I'm glad I was able to talk about it. I hope I have not hurt anyone. I don't really mind if I've offended you, but I hope I haven't hurt you. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't want to hurt you. Um, the offense the offense of being a gay black woman in the United States is constant. So I, I, think, I think you can handle offense. But being hurt, I don't want to give that out into the world. Not one bit of it. So talk to me. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know if this has been helpful to you in any way. Let me know if anything you agree with. That's also welcome. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.